Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves. We want to see you at our Hold Fast, a day in the work conferences happening across Canada in 2020. There will be one in Halifax on June 5th through 6th, one in Calgary, November 6th through 7th, and one in Winnipeg on November 13th through 14th. Visit our website to get more details and register now. Do you feel called to lead? Then you should attend our How to Lead a Precept Upon Precept workshop at our Precept Ministries Training Center in Brantford, Ontario on December 5th through 7th. Head to our website to register now. Now, stay tuned for Unlocking the Truth in our discussion on the book of Hebrews. Hello, everyone. It's Mark Sheldrake here, Unlocking the Truth podcast, as we walk through the book of Hebrews. I'm hoping that this has been uh, a God-honoring time for you and for for those others who are listening out there. I pray that um, you are learning a lot through, hopefully, your own study of the book of Hebrews and then using this podcast as a follow-up to what um, you've been learning. Uh, If you haven't been studying through the book of Hebrews but just listening to the podcast, I could... um, be no greater encouragement to you than to uh, grab the new inductive study series or the precept upon precept uh, material. We're going to be working through Hebrews over 11 uh, to maybe 12 weeks, but uh, the precept upon precept, much longer course, uh, but you will definitely benefit from that. I want to pray to start uh, because this week we're going to be working through a very difficult passage and I uh, want to make sure that uh, the Lord is definitely in this as we go forward. Let's pray. Father, uh, we pray for the time that we have together. Father, I pray for uh, the words that you will use from me that will bring understanding to the scriptures today. Father, I pray that your name will be glorified and honored in what we're discussing here. Father, I pray for the listener that they would be able to take everything that is said today and line it back up to your word and help them to better understand um, a difficult passage that we're going to look at. So, Father, we give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we go. Uh, We're going to be looking at a section of Scripture starting in Hebrews chapter 5. Now, you might wonder, why aren't we covering the first part of chapter 5? Well, we're going to come back to a subject in the next podcast, which is going to be Jesus the High Priest. This week, we're going to look at um, an exhortation from the author, and it's a difficult uh, set of scriptures. It's a difficult subject. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 to chapter 6, verse 8. And I uh, couldn't be more excited to walk you through this passage today. But we have to start with a warning, okay? And so the warning, it's so important that you heed the warning um, that we're going to be walking through this. And so there's no better way to explain this is uh, for the older generation that's listening. Do you remember when you put a videotape or a VHS tape into the VCR and you first waited for it to come up, the first thing you'd have was this warning and it'd be in big red writing, warning, be careful, do not copy this, uh, and you know, be aware that there's a penalty for you 
um, doing illegal things with this video. Uh, for the younger generation, you ready? It'd be coming on Netflix, all right? So on Netflix, you, you might get a warning that might come up and tell you, hey, there is some content in here that uh, you need to be aware of, and uh, that'd be the first little note that comes forward. So my warning to you today is that there is some content that we are going to discuss that could um, essentially rub up against some people's understanding of doctrine, but also uh, because it's a very difficult passage that we're going to be walking through in chapter 6, that uh, we simply ask the Holy Spirit to guide us through that passage, to help us give an understanding of that passage, and then we be able to line it up to what we're seeing in the Word so we can get a better understanding. The reason I say this is because there are a number of opinions that come from a part of the passage coming in Hebrews chapter 6 that we'll soon get to, and we need to be aware of um, how this could uh, create quite the discussion. Okay, so you ready? Let's dig in. Hebrews chapter 5, and he's, verse 11, and he starts, verse 11, with concerning him, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. So it's very interesting that in chapter uh, 5, verse 11, he starts with concerning him. So good Bible study students, what they do is they want to understand context, so they start to look back to the previous verses to understand who this him is. You'll quickly realize that who the him is, is Melchizedek. And so what the author of Hebrews has done through the beginning of chapter 5, he's put and laid out essentially who Jesus has priestly authority by. And there is a discussion about Melchizedek and that he is according, Jesus' priestly um, authority comes by the order of Melchizedek. And Melchizedek, well, that's a whole other topic for a whole other day. Who is this guy? Some believe that Melchizedek was a theophany so that he was uh, Christ in bodily form in the book of Genesis. But Melchizedek goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. We know that Melchizedek has no beginning, he has no end, he did not die. And so there is a lot to be studied about him, but for the purpose of this uh, podcast that we're covering this week, the subject is not Melchizedek. Oh, I know, many people probably are wondering, who is that guy? And maybe we can get some more insight on Melchizedek, but that's not what we're going to cover this week. What we've got here is we've got this theology or this teaching that's coming down from the author of Hebrews, and he says, look, I have so much more to say about Melchizedek, but the problem is that you have become dull of hearing. So we need to look at that whole idea of dull of hearing for a minute. And so uh, if you look at um, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, he says, so that you will not be sluggish. So there's two kind of ideas here between dull of hearing and sluggish, which we can get to the understanding is that dull of hearing is slow to understand. 
Okay, it implies laziness. It, it's, it means that you're not prepared and you're not able to, to take on this difficult teaching and understand it. I can't remember the address uh, of the, the proverb that I love. I just love to share this proverb with my daughter because, you know, she's a teenager. And so, as the door turns on the hinges, so the sluggard turns in their bed. You know, isn't that the perfect proverb for a teenager? Just think about how you're, you're trying to nudge that teenager awake. Come on, wake up, get going, move. You know, and you're, you're pushing on their body as they're sleeping, but there's no motion to get them awake. And, and the idea is, look, you're not even listening to my voice. And my daughter right now, she has this tremendous ability, and I don't think it's a good gift, but she's waking up five minutes before the bus comes and then running around the house trying to get everything in order. As the door turns on the hinges, so the sluggard turns in the bed. Wake up, be prepared, listen, be alert, be ready. But I can't teach you about Melchizedek. I can't do anymore because you've become dull of hearing. And so he says in verse 12, he says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. You've come to need milk and not solid food. Well, now, look, we've come to these passages that we've probably quoted a million times to people. Oh, you know, so-and-so, they're just stuck on the milk of the word. They need to be on the meat of the word. You should be teachers by now. Well, the truth of the matter is that as a part of maturity and growth as a Christian, we should become teachers. We should be learning in the ability to pass that baton on to others. This is what Jesus called the disciples to do in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. So we too should be passing the baton. Some of you out there might be listening right now and thinking to yourself, there's absolutely no way I could teach a precept course to other people. I'm not skilled in that ability. Well, you might have to ask yourself, have you ever had children? Do you have grandchildren? Deuteronomy chapter 6 tells us that really teaching should begin in the home. So all of us have some ability to pass on information to others so that they should be learning the fruit of the word, that they should be learning the truth of the word, that they should be learning to become more Christ-like in their daily walk. This is the call that these people are supposed to be. You should be teachers by now. You should be growing in your maturity. But here's the problem. Somebody has to go back and teach you the oracles of God. The oracles of God referring to the Old Testament. You've got to go back to the very beginning because you're dull of hearing. You don't understand. You're not growing in your maturity. You've become sluggish. You can only handle the milk of the word. This sounds like a lot of locations in the world today. This sounds like a lot of Christians who are hanging on the truth of salvation but not growing in their maturity. I remember a recent Bible survey was released that said one in eight Christians have at least eight Bibles in their home. And they have eight Bibles in their home but they admitted to reading them seldom or never. Well, how does one grow into maturity if they're not putting themselves in God's word? We have to study God's word to grow and mature.
This is where he speaks to us. His very voice is in the 66 books of the Bible. Can you hear it now? Can you hear Kay? Kay Arthur would say at this point, well, how many books of the Bible does God want you to know? It'd be your response to say 66. And then she would respond with, well, how many do you know? Are you growing and maturing? Are you in a position to teach? As a side note, for the past four weeks, I've been traveling around Canada. I've been given the opportunity to lead our new Precept Upon Precept training workshop, which is raising up new precept leaders by giving them opportunities to teach and be coached. It has been phenomenal to see these teachers come in unprepared, learn to prepare a lesson, and then execute and teach that lesson and lead a great discussion. I'm so encouraged by the people that are stepping up to take these workshops and then walking out and starting to disciple others in precept upon precept. Why is it so exciting about precept upon precept? Because that's the meat of the word. Those are solid Bible studies that are teaching people how to dig into God's word on difficult subjects like Melchizedek. But the Hebrews were not prepared. They'd become dull of hearing and they'd become sluggish. Look what he says in verse 13. He says, For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Well, I think the author makes a really good point here. You see, the one who's not digging into God's word, who's not growing in maturity, their decisions become more based on their morals than that of the word of God. Why? Because they don't know the word of God. They don't know the word of God when it comes to difficult subjects. They don't know what the word of God says when it comes to divorce. They don't know what the word of God says when it comes to marriage. They don't know what the word of God says when it comes to finances. And so you begin to go on your morals and how you best feel, even though you proclaim to be a Christian, then when you grow and mature in the word, you know how to steward your finances. You know how to walk well in your marriage. And you know how to deal with even your children who misbehave. You see, there's so much in God's word that creates us or helps us to become mature as Christians, to live lives that glorify and honor God. But most important, what I love that comes out of verse 14, is you see that what the word of God and growing in maturity can help you do is it can help you discern between good and evil. Think about that for a minute. You'd be able to discern the difference between good and evil. The only comparison I can give you right now is the idea of U.S. politics. I hate discussing the fact of U.S. politics because it, can, it is such a polarizing part of our culture right now. But what do you do in being able to discern good and evil or truth and untruth? You see, right now in the United States, if you decided that you were a lover of Donald Trump, that you actually liked Donald Trump and you thought the things that he, were do he was doing well, that if you wanted to stand on Donald Trump's side and you wanted to hear only good things about Donald Trump, well, you'd tune your TV to Fox News. 
because Fox News stands directly behind Donald Trump. Now, if you're an individual who hates Donald Trump, or you don't like what he's doing, or you don't agree with what he's doing, well, then you would turn your TV into CNN. Because there's nothing positive that comes from CNN when it comes to Donald Trump. So now you have two polarizing television channels that determined what you base your belief on the individual. So what do you know and what is truth? What's the middle line on that? Is he doing a good job? Is he not doing a good job? Well, if you speak to many American people, they might say, we don't even follow either one of those channels, but we have to look to other sources to determine what is right and what is wrong. This is the world that we live in right now. The culture that we live in is determined more on moral truth than it is on biblical truth. And because it's more on moral truth, people can discern what they think is good and what they think is evil versus studying God's word and looking at what God's word says when it comes to that which is good and that which is evil. Just imagine what life would be like not only in our country, but around the world, if everyone who proclaimed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior was digging into God's word at the depth of precept upon precept, how'd they be able to discern good and evil? I firmly believe that our culture would be different. This is why it's my desire as the director of precept to travel all over Canada, because I want people studying the Bible inductively discovering truth for themselves so that they be able to discern good and evil because Christians have the ability to turn our culture around when they study God's word. In verse 1 of chapter 6, we come to a therefore. The therefore, it says, Leave, leaving the elementary teaching about Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance, from dead works, and of faith toward God, of instruction about washing and laying on of hands, and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And so in these first two verses, he's calling the Hebrews to press on to maturity. But he also lays out what some of these principles of the milk are. And so we're going to look at those principles, but I want you to see where Paul also addresses the topic of milk. And he does that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 9. And here's what he says. He says, and I speak, and brethren, I could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as to men as of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you are not yet able to receive it, Indeed, even now you are not able. You are still fleshly, for since there is jealousy and strife among you, and you are not fleshly, and, you, and are you not walking like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, you are, are you not mere men? What then is Apollos, and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God causes, was causing the growth. So then neither one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but, God, 
anything but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field and God's building. You see, the church in Corinth, they were still fighting. They were fighting over who was baptizing them and who was better. But you see what the problem was. Look at, listen to how it's described. It's much like what's going on in Hebrews and it's going on today. You're just hanging on to the milk. Are you not still fleshly? You know, are you still walking like mere men? You're not pressing on and you're not growing to maturity. So he lays out in Hebrews 6, he lays out principles of what are still milk of the word. And he does that in verse 2. The first one of these principles of the milk is that they are not laying aside the repentance from dead works of the law. They're still hanging on to that they have to earn their salvation. They can't quite understand that it's the blood of Jesus Christ who saves, that the message of repent and believe that Jesus even gave in the Gospels is more than anything you can do to fulfill the law, that salvation comes through Jesus Christ alone. The second is that their faith is toward God. This is a second principle that is of milk the word. We know that. We believe in God. We believe that he is the sovereign one. This is simple truths that they continue to hang in. The third is their instructions about washing and the laying on of hands. They're still having the difficulty of understanding this whole situation. You see, in the Old Testament, when they brought their sacrifice to the temple... And even when they brought it to the tabernacle, they would lay their hands onto the animal to indicate that they were presenting this animal for sacrifice. And so they were still hanging on to, well, what do we do about our washing of our hands and the laying on of hands? These are the elementary principles. This is the milk for you. You need to press on to maturity. Move toward the focus of Christ, the new covenant. They were still dealing with issues of the resurrection of the dead. They were still struggling with those simple principles of what happens after you die. Eternal judgment. Well, eternal judgment could probably easily be connected to works. Well, I've got to, commit, I've got to keep the law. I've got to do the law or I'll face eternal judgment. But simple truths. If you have Jesus Christ, if you are washed in his blood, you are freed from eternal judgment. You have eternal life. So now, we've come through the elementary principles. We looked at the situation of what those milk of the word subjects are. And now, remember the beginning of this podcast, I said, warning. Okay, now, now we put the tape in, and here comes the warning. We are about to hit those difficult verses. So be prepared as we walk through uh, these verses in chapter 6, verses 4, 5, and 6. And so we're going to walk through them now, hopefully slowly to bring understanding, but bear with, these are now the difficult passages. Now we get to verse 4. For in this case of those who have once been enlightened, have tasted of the heavenly gift, 
and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away. It is impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. Uh Uh-oh, did you hear it? Did you hear the difficult verses in there? Well, let's look back through, and the first part is that this idea of falling away. So the idea of tasting the word, tasting the good word, the gospel, okay, that's one part. They've been enlightened to it, that they have tasted of the heavenly gift. They've made, been made partakers of the Holy Spirit. They've tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, but then they've fallen away. And what the author says, even though they've done all those things, they've fallen away, and there is no opportunity for repentance for them, that there's no hope for them. So now we have this question of, well, this sounds a lot like somebody could lose their salvation. Does that mean an individual who was saved and was in the church and was walking as a Christian and decided to walk away or stray or wander for a while, that if they come back to the Lord and they repent for their behavior, that there's no hope, they won't be saved, they'll be destined for the lake of fire? Is that what that's telling me? Well, there are some people that believe that you can lose your salvation. But we're going to stop right here, and I'm just going to simply put out this statement for you. You cannot lose your salvation. So I want to break this down into three separate people groups. Now, follow along with me. And the first people group is the people group that have become dull of hearing. The people that should have been pressing on toward maturity, the ones who aren't growing, the ones that should be teachers now, the ones that are a little sluggish in their relationship with the Lord. They're not growing. They're not pressing on to maturity. The challenge is you guys need to press on to maturity. The second people group is the people group within the church. They're the people within the church that maybe they've professed with their mouth that they are children of God. Maybe they're people who say they're Christians, that they are at church every Sunday. So when they're at church every Sunday, and they're in a congregation and a group and a body of believers with other people, they are hearing the good word. They're experiencing the good word. They're experiencing God at work. They're experiencing the Holy Spirit at work. They're just not experiencing it within themselves. They're experiencing it through other people. They're seeing the work of God within the group. They're seeing the work of God within the church. Think about when you have people come to salvation within the church. How exciting it is when people repent and believe. When they're baptized, that's witnessing the wonderful works of God. 
there's that outward proclamation of that inward change. And the people that are in there that are saying they're saved most likely are not saved, but they are there experiencing the work of God. They're experiencing the Holy Spirit. Maybe even within their own family, there's a loved one who is saved or healed or something has happened in their life where the Holy Spirit has been at work in them and they have seen the Holy Spirit work. You see, for these people, these people in this group, the second people group, there is no greater opportunity for them to become a Christian because every piece of evidence is laid down in front of them. They can see it all for their very own eyes. They have seen God at work. They have seen the Holy Spirit at work. They have tasted the heavenly gift that's before them. Everything is laid out for them. All they have to do is choose. Repent and believe. But these people, what they have done is they have decided to fall away. And the word fall away, what that means is to lay aside. It literally means to put off to the side. All right, and so I want you to look at um, the, some other passages in Hebrews, and I'll walk you through them, where this idea of laying aside comes through. Chapter 3, verse 12. Take care, brethren, that there not be any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. Take care. Make sure that you don't fall away. This is serious stuff. In chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. For if the words spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at that first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed by us who heard. Pay attention. The first part of Hebrews is pay closer attention to Jesus. Don't neglect the great salvation. Chapter 10, verses 26 and 27. The book of Hebrews is riddled with this idea of falling away. Chapter 10, 26 to 27. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. If we go on sinning, even though we have the truth in front of us, if we choose that versus the truth, judgment, no hope. Chapter 12, verse 25. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For it is those who did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth. Much less we will we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. Do you see how the cross references help us to understand that this has got to be a third people group? This is a group of people that if they outright choose to reject Jesus Christ and the truth that's right in front of them, there is no hope. There is no coming back from that. 
that there is no greater time, no greater evidence right in front of them in that very moment. They've got it all there for them, plain and simple for them to see, and yet they choose to lay it aside and live their life the way they want to live their life. Ooh, the warning is so difficult here. We have to be careful to be assured of our salvation. I think of uh, one of Peter's letters when he says, be assured of your salvation. Well, how do you know? Well, we know that we're saved by our fruit. We know that as we're growing in Jesus Christ, that we are producing fruit as Christians. John chapter 15 tells us about fruit. So there's all kinds of verses within the scriptures that tell us about a Christian, a true Christian believer, is one who bears fruit. If you wanted to go through a study and see multiple signs of what it means to be a true Christian, then you walk through the book of 1 John. You put a K over every reference to the word know, and then you list out everything that you know from the text. You will see clear signs of what John says is a true child of God. True children of God produce fruit. If you don't produce fruit, you're not a child of God. You've just professed with your mouth, but there's been no action, there's been no change, there's been no maturity, there's been no growth, and therefore you're not really saved. You see, you can't lose your salvation, and you can't lose what you didn't have. But the important thing here is to know that, man, oh man, I do not want to be in that position as one who has been enlightened by the truth and yet rejects the truth, because there's no hope for that individual truth that comes out from God's word. Well, let's go back to the end of Hebrews chapter 6 before we get to the verse. He gives us an example in chapter 6, verse 7. For the ground that drinks the rain, which often falls on it and brings forth vegetation useful to those whose sake it is also tilled, receives a blessing from God. But if it yields thorns and thistles, it's worthless and close to being cursed, and it ends up being burned. Well, this is a great analogy. Because I'm going to share with you something that, you know, is a little haunting for me. It's an admission, but I think it's okay. You see, a few months ago, when the weather was nice here in Ontario, my mother-in-law came to our house. And you see, she looked at our house, and she walked up the driveway, and she looked at our lawn, and she said, boy, your lawn is filled with weeds. You see, at one time, I was meticulously taking care of that lawn. I was watching over that lawn. I was cultivating it. I was keeping it. I was watering it. I was fertilizing it. I was spraying those chemicals on it before it was banned. And you know what? There was not a single weed in my lawn. My neighbor's lawn is beautiful and green, and it has sprinkler system, and I th I'm pretty sure he fluffs it up with a comb and might even cut it with scissors in some areas where the lawnmower doesn't. He meticulously works through that lawn. He takes such good care of that lawn that it has grown up to be such a thick lawn in such a short amount of time. And he started that lawn just a few years ago 
at grass seed. And he took care of that lawn. He's picked the weeds out. And I mean, even in the hottest part of the summer, that lawn looks amazing. When you look from my front window, though, oh my. There is a defined line between my lawn, brown, the only green in my lawn this summer was the weeds. And you have the green, beautiful lawn. So my mother-in-law came along and said to my wife and I, you know what would be great? Maybe for your birthdays, we'll get you a lawn care package. Now, one might think, oh, that is a little offensive, but you know what? That's great. Thank you. Somebody is going to cultivate and take care of my lawn to make it look as nice as my neighbor's now. So I won't be the laughing stock of the whole neighborhood. But my neighbor is a great example. He's the example that this person is talking, this author in Hebrews is talking about. The rain falls on it. It brings forth vegetation. And it's useful. It's nice and green. Look, you would want to have a nap on my neighbor's lawn because it is so nice. You wouldn't want to nap on my lawn because my lawn's the other part of this analogy in Hebrews. It's full of thorns and thistles. You got to be careful when you cut the lawn because you might get some spike in you. The only thing I watch out for is those poisonous weeds at this point so the kids don't get irritations on their skin. Do you see the difference between the two? One who takes care of it is useful. It bears fruit. It's beautiful and it's green. The other isn't taken care of. It's not cultivated. It's not matured. It grows thorns and thistles and it's not useful. That's the example the author is giving in Hebrews. You bear fruit or you don't bear fruit. Verse 9, but beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you and the things that accompany salvation, though we are speaking in this way. For God is not unjust as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and is still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. Three people groups. One group, dull of hearing, not pressing on to maturity. Second group, people who proclaim they're Christians, but they're not Christians. They're not bearing any fruit. Third group. I want to propose the idea that the third group is the group that's running well. They're still the Hebrews that are running the race well. You see, what the author of Hebrews does is he puts himself into that group. He puts himself into that group of those who are running well, and he says, but beloved, we, you and I, we're convinced of better things concerning you. We, we know this third group. We know the prize at the end. We know what perseverance and endurance brings. It brings a greater hope. It brings eternal life. And therefore, you know these things. God is not unjust to forget the things that you have done. Even if you started strong and you started to waver a little bit, God hasn't forgotten that. But you must know the full assurance be assured of your salvation. Be assured of your walking until the end. Persevere. Keep running well. Get to the end. 
because that's where the prize is. So hopefully as we've walked through these three passages, you will see that I believe the author is addressing three groups. There's the one who is starting to become sluggish and dull of hearing. They're the ones who need to, there's ones who are not saved. And there is a group that needs to continue to persevere and run with endurance until the end. So the question I have before we wrap up our podcast is, which people group are you? Where do you fall? Have you become dull of hearing and sluggish? Are you putting the work in, in studying God's word? Well, if you're listening to this podcast, I sure hope so. But I hope and pray that you'll pick up a Bible study and begin to study God's word using Precept's inductive Bible study method. If you struggle to do homework and you can't find the time, grab a 40-minute Bible study. They're topical Bible studies and they're great. If you want to learn the method because you haven't fully understood it, grab the study, Teach Me to Study the Bible in 28 Days. And If you're ready to teach and press on to maturity in that way and teach others, join us for training in 2020. Our new precept training for precept upon precept leaders is fantastic. It will so encourage you. It'll equip you to go out and lead others in God's word. My hope and prayer that is in 2020, we'll have over 80 workshops across the country. And those 80 workshops will be full of people. People wanting to grow and press on to maturity in their relationship with Jesus Christ. But maybe you are. Maybe you are studying the word. Be encouraged. Continue to run well. Run with endurance. Even though there might be little blips in your run, little valleys that you go through, run with endurance. Be assured that you will receive the prize at the end of the race. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the truth of your word. I pray for each and every individual on this podcast that, Father, you would work in their lives. Give them a hunger for your word if they become dull of hearing and sluggish. Father, for those who proclaim with their mouth that they are saved yet but do not produce fruit, Father, would you put your Holy Spirit to work, to convict them, to bring them to true salvation. And Father, we pray for those that are running well but maybe facing some difficult situations within their life that want to cause them to fall back, that want to cause them to become sluggish. Oh, that they would run with endurance knowing that eternal life is at stake. That, Father, when we get to that place, it will be a place of rest. It will be an opportunity for us to spend eternity with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I hope that this week has been an encouragement for you as we've walked through these scriptures. Join me next time as we look at Jesus, the great high priest. <laughs>